Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. We got a couple guests on today. We got uh, Nick and Nick of Big Dogs Gotta Eat. They're a fantasy football company. They do a big YouTube channel. So talking a little bit of Giants fantasy football. Figured we'd do that before we get into camp because then it turns into all real things on the field. So we're going to do that at the end of the show. But before that, Justin, one, how are you doing? And we'll get to it. Marcus Golden is a giant question mark. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a good way to put it, question mark. And there's two ha- there's two hashtags that we're going to get trending. Um, Bully Justin Bully to, Florida. Ju- to Florida. And Bobby blew his load because he no, did that on the last episode. No, not doing that one. You, you don't have a cult yet to do that one. No, I don't. I don't. How are you? I'm good. Ready uh, for this camp to get started. I'm starting to get antsy. I'm just ready to hit publish on Monday's player profile preview because that is when really, you don't do that. You know what I mean. I do that. You know what I mean, though. <laughs> just that feeling is awesome. It's just an awesome feeling that, you know what? Every single weekday when I drink my coffee in the morning, I will put together a new episode of Talking Giants uh, tweet. And that's fun. I, I I love doing that. That's one the highlight of my morning is drinking my coffee and making that post. Um, so that's that's what I'm excited about. I'm getting ready for camp. It's getting hot down here in Florida. Justin, you should come join me. Um, no, nope. we're not putting this one on YouTube. So I didn't even shave yet. I have to shave before we record a couple of PPPs tonight. Um, hoping the Yankees Nationals game goes off with no rain. But Justin, the news: Marcus Golden. So we were told by everyone that, oh, it's July 28th. They got moved back because of the start of camp. I'm pretty sure Marcus Golden himself was confused as to what <laughs> day his tender was up. I'm pretty sure. I think so, too. So it actually was ended up being July 22nd. Um, Golden has not signed it yet. Um, and he has, he has until week 10. If he doesn't sign it by week 10, then he can only play at the Giants. But if the Giants like could re- the Giants could rescind the tag or they could get a deal done. Well, no. If he doesn't sign by week ten, he can't play at all. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But could they rescind the tag now though and have it like like he can just go sign anywhere? I guess I guess the Giants could decide. Hey, even though that w- they can rescind it if they want to, but why would they do that? Because they want him on the team. Right. So. I think it's going to work out. I mean, especially because if the price tag is, what, $4.125 million, Bobby, for one year, that's absurd. You're getting a guy that's coming off of double-digit sacks in a way because I've I've said this a million times. I have a personal bias to Marcus Golden because I just like him so much. I've met him. So uh, I feel bad for him that he's coming off of a double-digit sack year, nearing age 30, and he's getting $4.125 million. That absolutely stinks for him. Um, but at the same time, it's good for the Giants, and I'm a Giant fan, and I'm glad that he's back. So yeah, and our guy Pat Regazzo said he's going to sign it when he comes to camp on the 28th. That makes sense. Um, when they come mm-hmm. for the testing and they'll sign his contract. That being said, let's let's talk a little bit of Marcus Golden because we haven't done it because we've been waiting for the, this moment. Justin, I said it the other day you shared some stuff about Marcus Golden, and I think I think we were both kind of like right on with what we said about Marcus Golden going into last season. For me. He's not uh, like an elite pass rusher. He's not. But he's a guy who, if you put a tight end or a running back on him, he's going to dominate them. He is going to use his speed and his hand fight to get a, get off them and get a sack or pressure a QB. Um, if an offensive tackle makes a mistake, he's going to make he's, – he, he takes advantage of those mistakes. He's a savvy 
player with speed, with good hand fight. He's not going to go out and like dominate and bully people, but he's a good football player on a Giants team that need, a Giants defense that definitely needs some good football players. We can't be like bet you know the old saying beggars can't be choosers. We can't right. do that with Marcus Golden. Um, I know you talk about his pressures and a lot, but he's had double digit sacks twice. Um, and I know we said this line over and over again. If the guy could get double digit sacks due to coverage sacks on a team that had like some of the worst coverage in the NFL, imagine if we just had adequate coverage. The main critique that I've heard from like analytics people, Bobby, isn't even the fact that he gets coverage sacks, but it's the fact that half of his maybe quarterback hits and half of his pressures, half of his sacks, whatever, it's that they come when he's untouched or barely touched. But again, that's one of those things where, well, you want to know what? Why isn't uh, Lorenzo Carter getting uh, five sacks when he's not touched? Why isn't, or, or, you know, Ocean Exhibit has limited snap count? But all these pass rushes that we had years ago, and even without Marcus Golden in 2018 in James Betcher's system, how come we didn't have a guy, if if it's so easy to get 10 sacks in, yeah. <laughs> in, on the Giants defense, if it's so easy to get sacks, then why hasn't somebody did it done it before, you know, even a little bit before Marcus Golden got here? So, Or anyone get even close to that number? Who was second on the team? Right. Right, uh, Josh, what, Carter probably had like, you know, maybe six or something like that. But anyway, uh, PFF Giants count they tweeted out today because I know everybody likes to talk about rushing the passer, rushing the passer. Uh, defensive run stop is a tackle that results as a failure for the offense. Marcus Golden had the fourth most among edge rushers, edge defenders last season, which is pretty good. So he's even very good in the run. And I even uh, did a, I was on a big trolling Yannick Ngakwe train. This offseason for about a two-week stretch when everybody was so hyping up Yannick Ngakwe and when he was posting LT pictures. I was on a very big anti-trolling Yannick Ngakwe train. And for the following categories, QB hurries, QB knockdowns, QB pressures, QB hits, total tackles, sacks, and they were tied in tackles for loss. Every single one of those categories, Marcus Golden was better than Yannick Ngakwe in 2019. Granted, Golden saw a little bit higher snap count than Ngakwe, but Ngakwe was being talked about like the second coming of LT, and let's not act like that's the case. Marcus Golden's a very good player. Fingers crossed that Pat Ragazzo or a guy is right that he's going to sign that tender on the 28th, and uh, we're going to rock and roll. It makes sense. Hopefully. It makes sense. Uh, you know, I talked with Pat this morning. It, it made sense. Um, and then I did look it up. Four and a half sacks. Oshane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter were actually second on the team. Oh, jeez. I more overestimated. More, uh, more ammo for the Oshane Zimenez over Lorenzo uh, Carter crew. And then tackles mm-hmm. for a loss. He had 18. Second on the team was Dalvin with nine. So um, I'm I'm happy with the guy. Uh, I'm glad he's back on the team, we think. Yeah. Um, what was going to be a point? What was going to be a point? Oh, about signing the tender on the 28th. I was actually kind of surprised to hear that he was signing on the 20th. And this just lets you know about how much of a uh, of a team first guy that Golden is. And this is if he signs it on the 28th. Because in a way, Bobby... If I'm a player in this particular situation where, let's face it, Marcus Golden's in a very crappy situation, <laughs> only getting $4.1 million and coming off a double-digit sack season. It's personally kind of a crappy situation for him. Smart and savvy move the, giant, move the Giants did. If I was him, in a way, I would kind of pull a Michael Strahan and just skip training camp and then sign that tender before week one, maybe a week, so I can get a week full of reps and get my legs under me with pads and stuff like that. But that's the kind of route that I would do. So the fact that Golden's coming back this early, it kind of surprises me, but it doesn't because he's just a great guy. Well, the difference is also one, the Giants are not going to like, they would let him go to week 10. Like there's, they would let him have that. And like, what if he, what if he comes in week one 
or like a week before and he tests positive for COVID. And now he's missing games, AKA missing money on his contract. Yeah. Um, at least I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't miss money. Um, actually he probably wouldn't now that I'm thinking about it, but nonetheless, I don't, I don't see him. Is it fully, that. we need to see if it's fully guaranteed if that, which yeah, I anything that's a tender is. is, is fully guaranteed. Yeah. It's like the franchise tag. So I guess I'm wrong on that point, but nonetheless, he doesn't want to get, he, it does, it makes sense to me. I think he realizes what this is and I don't think he's going to like going to fight against it. And I'm glad he's not. Um, yeah. so Another and that means another year of uh, Marcus Eber, Eberhart, uh, Marcus Golden's dad, yes. who's like the best friend of no Giants joke, Twitter. No joke, Moke. Well, first let we have to make this we have to make this clear because I was very small. I probably had less than a thousand followers last last summer too. So it was actually I was one of the only ones on Giants Twitter who was really hyping him up. Bobby, you were kind of like, yeah, you know, he could take advantage of the tight ends. He can take wasn't advantage hyping of the him up. I like play. I I was hyping him up, and I actually just pulled a cl- uh, a clip from we had a. Um, uh, Bleeding Blue did a similar version to PPPs last year. It was called like a previewing the Giants series. And we had our Marcus Golden episode. And I looked at like the data from 2015 and 2016. He was like the only edge rusher and the only pass rusher from that 2015 draft class, which by the way, 2015 draft class, Leonard Williams was included on it. That was a pretty good, that was pretty good pass rushing, you know, even from the interior defensive lineman guys. He had like the most pressures and, and some of the best, like, advanced stats not necessarily just sacks but some of the best advanced stats out of out of that draft class so i was like this guy was on pace to literally become one of the league's top edge rushers then he tears his acl in 2017 2018 you need that extra year to to heal from that acl injury we're actually going to be talking about fantasy football data in our fantasy football episode that says about the torn acl how it takes two years i've mentioned that before so i knew all of this and i took all of it It was like marcus golden's gonna be good so we I, i linked up with marcus eberhart Linked up with him at a Giants preseason game. Uh, met Daniel Jones in the Giants family tent. Met uh, Marcus Golden in the Giants family tent. Met Ro- met Rhonda Golden, Marcus Golden's mom. It was a lot of fun. So that's why I'm like personally invested because the he's just such a good dude. I saw somebody get mad um, because he liked something. I think it was like some Washington stuff, and people don't realize he. Li- I think Marcus uh, Eberhardt treats Twitter like yeah. Instagram. He literally likes every. Po- I think he likes every post in his timeline. Yeah. So I think yeah. people are like, what, what did you like this for? This is a Dwayne Haskins. Like he'll like something that's pumping up Dwayne Haskins, and then he'll mm-hmm. like like a post of me making fun of da- like calling Dwayne Haskins fat. I think he just likes every post on the timeline. I will say, if you really if you really want to get his attention though, and if you possibly want to get a reply, you're gonna tweet at him at No Joke Moke, but you have but include the hashtag hashtag forty four takeover. And I'm Marcus Gold two four. Well, I'm Marcus Gold. I've never used that. But also, he loves the phrase "get your popcorn ready." Get your popcorn so I said, ready. Like I Mr. said to Chris. Marcus, I said, I said, we told them, we told them last year to get their popcorn ready. They weren't ready, and so he got a kick out of that this week, which was pretty cool. Glad to have you back, Marcus Golden. Go out and get double digit sacks again, and get your get your bag this offseason. Yeah, good, good people. I'm glad Marcus Golden's back on the team. Quick, you know, rookies are starting to report for their um, their their COVID testing. Um, pretty much all of them has signed. I haven't seen anything on Andrew Thomas or McKinney, but we expect them to sign. Um, I, unless unless we turn to the Chargers and it turns into a real hole, I just don't see any way they don't end up signing. There were there were some rumblings about Andrew Thomas. I'll see if I can pull it up right now. I thought I saw a guaranteed of like thirty or forty mil. That like was Stapleton saying what it would probably be, and then someone oh, reported that be. Stapleton that confirmed it, and then it turned into a big. I always love watching like the people breaking the news on the rookie contracts. Like, like we know what they're going to be. 
Like, thanks. Like, there's no, there's actually like a cap on it because it's not like Jamarcus Russell and Sam Bradford yeah. them getting seventy million dollars. Yeah. So that, um, so that's good. I wish they would all just report. Like, it doesn't make sense that they're not all reporting today for their testing, so they can actually get rolling with some like, like you know, conditioning and then walkthroughs and stuff on Tuesday. But the NFLPA uh, has their head in their ass, and they're supposedly like the NFL is is uh, threatening to. Be like, we won't play the season if you don't agree to this. And it's like I said, the NFL is going to win over the NFLPA when it comes down to money. Mm-hmm. That's why they yeah. gave them everything else. Like, go oh, have fun with no preseason games. We'll we'll take the money. So um, that Bobby, I will say about you know just just everybody's reporting and everybody's getting tested and the, you know the the report day is now the testing day. It's no longer what it, you know what it used to be in the hype. Even the hype around Monday, whatever the twenty eighth is going to be, it's not going to be the same because everybody's just going to go home anyway. With Juan Soto testing positive today and now seeing the scramble that's happening with, oh, but they need to get maybe two negative tests before the game tonight to see if he can actually play because he's actually feeling fine. I'm getting, it's going to be an anxious August. It's going to be an anxiety-filled August. It's really going to be an anxiety-filled season with like all of these reports that are going to be happening every week of the test results and, oh, nobody on the Giants tested positive. Nobody, on, I mean, oh. Yeah, nobody on the Giants tested positive. Everybody tested negative. One guy tested negative. It's going to be a very anxious summer. Yeah. And I'm we not. We all going know to you're looking it. forward to one guy. Um, we won't mention that. So. Stop it. Stop <laughs> um, it. Bad guy. That was an ultra bad guy move. Before we go to the Giants stories, um, Zach Rosenplatt put you as the first sentence in an NJ.com mm. article. Whatever. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Zach um, talked to each other on the phone. So shout out to Zach Rosenblatt, who, you know, it was nice enough. We had about like a 10 minute conversation. It was just about how do you feel basically about not going to Giants games? And a lot of the questions were kind of centered around. And I kind of like was pretty proud of myself that when I was answering these, where a lot of the questions were like, I kind of want you to say that the team is bad. I kind of want you to say that, Justin. Like, I was getting the impression with some of the questions that he's asking. Like, oh, it's terrible that I'm paying all this money to watch a team lose. I have a feeling that's the route that he wanted me to go to. But I'm like, no. Genuinely, and I even talked about the 2015 season, how the 2015 season, despite, I think, what, six out of our nine losses are so, like, a high percentage of our losses that season, we lost those games within the final two minutes. While that was, like, a devastating season, I look back on it as, like, that was a lot of, it was kind of a lot of fun. Because they were just genuinely good football games from start to finish. They were intense. It, you know, they were competitive. Unlike the last few years where games just haven't been competitive at all. And they haven't been fun to sit through. So um, I kind of talked about that. And then my favorite line in the article, and I think it's pretty much towards the top, is there's been social distancing at MetLife Stadium anyway by the time it comes to November and December. Yeah, I read so, that. I thought that was kind of funny. You got to get a boom choo after that, so. Nice, very nice. Thank you, Zach Rosenblatt. Thank you, Zach Rosenblatt. We'll have them back on during camp since there's no preseason games. We're going to try and get some interviews during camp for you. All right, you ready for Giants stories? I am ready. I thought last week was the last version of Giants stories. No, this is the last time. This is the last episode of Giants stories until January. Okay, let's let's play the music. Cue the music. This is for the live streaming audience. They don't want that. Shut up. 
Grant Haley was playing celebrity golf, Andrew Thomas playing the drums, Eric Smith was hiking at a waterfall and then tubing, Darius Slayton was grilling and chilling, Dion Lewis was jet skiing, Austin Mack was on the beach in Tampa, that's dangerous with Corona, Eric Thomason was on a boat, Corey Coleman was bike riding at what looked like a Bahamas resort, but it was somewhere, Dexter Lawrence was doing yoga, RJ McIntosh got his cut, Golden Tate was horse riding with his daughter, Caden Smith was playing golf. Justin, the last time I'm going to ask you this question of uh, 2020, what piques your interest? What what was RJ? Did RJ McIntosh get a cut or he got his cut? He got his hair cut. Oh, he got his hair cut. Yes. I thought With he masks. hurt himself. I thought he hurt himself somehow physically, and I didn't. Better not. That's our number five defensive tackle right there. Better not. <laughs> but just let, <laughs> just let not. you know, when we do our number five defensive tackle battle uh, segment, um, I'm going RJ McIntosh over Austin Johnson. How about that? Wow. Wow, that's a bold, bold take. Bold take. I, I everything's, actually, everything's riding on I that I actually have strong battle. opinions on that, which is kind of funny. Really? Um, well, you're, not, you're also biased because isn't McIntosh a Miami guy? I'm biased because that boy was bullying Quentin Nelson in college. And he just has Ooh. better production than Austin Johnson with less playing time. Dexter Lawrence doing yoga, man. I hope Dexter Lawrence has an awesome year. I don't know. Like, I, I don't judge these guys on how hard they're working off social media because they can go to the gym for 45 minutes every day and then post it, and you're thinking they're working hard. But Dexter Lawrence was working out with some like stud defensive linemen, doing yoga. That's very good for football players. I like that. Dion Lewis, it seemed like he kind of had like his last weekend. You know, They were out on the pontoon boat, jet skiing, all that kind of stuff, so that looked fun. And Eric Smith, it looks like he's doing, he was doing the same. Anything with Leonard Williams? No, he's been quiet this week. I don't know. If maybe oh, he's he's working. Maybe he's actually like quarantining. You know what I'm saying? No, he's working. He's getting back to. What it. if he was one of the? Actually, I'm not going to say that. But I was saying maybe he's like one of the guys who actually tested positive because he was oh, kind of out and don't about. Don't say that. I don't know. No. I, I hopefully he's working, but I think he might be quarantining, getting ready for camp. Rooting for that man. It's going to have a big year. By the way, he just started. I was reading an article. I can't remember who who did it. Sorry that I'm not giving them credit. But saying like they got him into like the fishing, like spear fishing and eat your own kill uh, thing like this year. Like that's something he just started. So bring, uh, invite us out to the crib next year, Leonard Williams. That big contract will be nice. I mean, Justin Penning pumps you up more than anything. Or Justin Penkin or whatever your name is in the NJ.com article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach Rosenblatt gave me a new uh, a new stage name. It's Penkin. Pumpkin. Pumpkin. All right, I mean, is there anything else on here? It was actually kind of it was kind of boring for the last week. I guess they these guys are actually, like, quarantining. They're getting back to it, Bobby. Yeah. Um, a lot of, like, no. on my way to New Jersey Instagram stories. So I didn't throw any of those in there. Daniel, Love that. This isn't on there, but jo- Daniel Jones working with Saquon, Shep, Ingram, uh, Peppers, and Holmes. That was cool. But it's crazy. These NFL players, all they care about is their safety and their proper protocols, yet they're all getting together anyway. It's, it's wild. Um, How do you think that conversation happened of, like, the workout between – I know this is kind of older news – the workout between Cam Newton, Odell Beckham Jr., and other friends. Sterling Shepard um, was there. Sterling Shepard invited Sterling... Daniel Jones. Cam invited Odell. Odell invited Shep. And Shep invited Daniel Jones. 
what do you think they were talking about? Did they just need a quarterback that badly? And then Daniel Jones was just there. What were the conversations? I think Shep about? wanted him there. Bizarre. And they wanted a QB who could throw it to them accurately. Ooh, shot at Cam Newton. <laughs> it is a shot at Cam Newton. The guy isn't that accurate. I like him. He's a good player. Like Josh Allen. He's a good player. He's just not the most accurate guy in the world. Never understood why Cam Newton didn't use his legs more in his throwing motion. It is, Everything is from... Cam Newton used his legs a ton. Now, it was more design runs. It wasn't like out of the pocket. No, I'm talking... I'm talking about when using his legs when it comes to his throwing motion, like like pushing off of the back. He, everything is like his shoulders and his yeah. arms. It's crazy. He's very similar to Josh Allen, which is funny because you see the same people like hate on Josh Allen and they love to prop up Cam Newton. Like, how did anybody? They're very similar players. Cam Newton is well, more Josh of an athletic Allen... freak, but like the, their playing style yeah. and Josh Allen can run the ball and run dudes over. Like, and I was going to say, isn't Josh Allen more of a scrambler? And Cam Newton isn't really a scrambler. Yeah. Like, he's kind of a statue. Cam, little Cam, bit. Scram- he, Cam likes to sit in the pocket. He's more of a design run guy. But the Bills run a yeah. lot of design runs for Josh Allen, too. Right. Um, right. But they're they're just very similar players. And they call Buffalo, Carolina, North. So, um, mm. Which is true. I mean, remember, we were going through Dave Gilman's draft classes pre-draft. And it was like, this guy just signed a, uh, with Buffalo. Like every like <laughs> guy's in there. Um, I guess that happens when you uh, get the assistant GM, the Dave Gellman. All right, there let's uh, DraftKings ad, and then we'll kick it mm. to the interview. Let's talk about DraftKings. DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting. It's a legitimate sports book based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. DraftKings is America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. If you're an NBA fan like me, you place a $25 bet on who you think will be crowned the champion at the end of the season before tip-off of the first game and get a $25 free bet to use on a single-game bet for the first two days of the resumed season. Bet on uh, the Magic over the Raptors. Maybe get an upset. I don't know. New users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. During this week, there will be golf, MLB, MMA, and more. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, live betting, and so much more. If a sports book is not yet available in your state, don't forget about the DraftKings Fantasy app. For this week's golf tournament, they're offering a share of $1 million. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHNBOY when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code JOHNBOY when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus compromise of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. Welcome back to Talking Giants. And we want to welcome on to the show two co-hosts of a podcast called Fade the Public, but also members of BDGE. Big Dogs Gotta Eat, the best fantasy football brand, the best fantasy football company out there in the business. Nick Ercolano. You've never heard him before, but Snacks, unfortunately, uh, Talking Giants listeners are hearing you for the second time in one week. Um, Nick Ercolano, I will throw it over to you first. How are you doing? Maybe introduce yourself, what you're all about, um, and thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I'm I'm actually really surprised that I, you know, I, I accepted this. I want to put that on the record. I accepted this because I like you, Justin. Uh, Snacks was pretty much a negative getting me on here. Uh, had you not reached out and wanted me on here, I wouldn't have came. If Snacks asked, I would have easily hit the decline button on that. Want that on record. As long as we keep him on the mute down there, uh, th- things will be fine. But yeah, as you said, we are from the big dogs tree over here. Uh, and that is a little fantasy football YouTube channel I started years ago, five, six years ago. Um, we've consistently been putting out content related mostly to season long fantasy football stuff. We've started diving into a little bit of dynasty over the last couple of years, but our goal is to uh, kind of encapsulate more of a lifestyle brand in a sense. So we do a lot of behind the scenes capturing um, since I was, you know, 22 or 23 years old, I've pretty much been videotaping a large portion of my life and, and my story kind of building up the YouTube channel and kind of turning this into the brand that I, I hope to one day, you know, turn it into. So it's been a fun process. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm here to, you know, give some value via fantasy football. That's why uh, most of the people that do watch me, watch me. Most of the people that uh, come on for snacks immediately leave once he starts talking about Giants. <laughs> so I'm glad that he got this forum out here so he could yell about his favorite team because usually not welcomed on the big dogs. <laughs> it's true. And one of the reasons why, I'm attracted to, you know, BDGE and everything that you guys do. You talked about it being a lifestyle brand, and that's one of the things that you're ultimately pursuing. But when you ultimately intertwine that kind of lifestyle goal with the content that you produce for fantasy football, it ultimately comes off, I think, with you, you're gathering and you're collecting a better community of people, a more dedicated following. And that's kind of a similar thing that what we're trying to do here, you know, with Bobby and I, you know, we're trying to, you know, we show our faces. Like that's like a, a big goal that we have. You know, we show our faces. We're trying to be proximate. Uh, we're trying to connect with the people in our community. I think you guys do a great job of it. That's why that I was attracted to you. I bought the draft guide last year and things like that. But we'll we'll get into that. But snacks, I don't want to totally ignore you. How are you doing? Uh, welcome back on the Talking Giants for the second time in one week. Yeah, as a huge, massive contributor to Talking Giants, it's great to be back. Bobby, it's really great to see you. I could be a lot better if uh, I wasn't talking to two of my least favorite people in Justin and Nick, but um, <laughs> I'm doing okay because I, I get to reconvene with my friend Bobby. So uh, thank you guys for having us on. And Yeah, we should just start rapping by about early 2000s Giants football again and just forget uh, all the fantasy game over. football Let's stuff. Do, you know what? Let's do it. Amani you know Tumor, cool. I kill I, I your would, big fantasy years in 2000. <laughs> I'd be out of here. <laughs> in the next three <laughs> seconds i'm out you know what i do you know what i really appreciate about your guys' podcast is just like i didn't you know i love the fact that in the world of like content you could be so niche with certain things and you'll be able to build an audience around it and i hear snacks sometimes recording while he's here because he comes on monday nights to film on tuesdays and you guys are talking about like a, a single game sack performance from 2007 i'm like there are really people that are that into that shit, man. That's what I. That's what I love about the internet. It's what I love about podcasting. That's what I love about. Uh, my apologies. Um, Snacks was calling me on the other line, trying to mess with my focus. You cannot phase me, Snacks. Uh, we are mid podcast. <laughs> this is what I do, baby. So yeah, I appreciate your guys' podcast, by the way, because the more niche, I think the 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 more long term success you'll you'll have um, eventually. And they are they are the best at their niche, so for sure, absolutely. So one of the main reasons why I'm having uh, both of you on is not just because I absolutely love Snacks and Snacks is a great friend of mine, but I have to tell you, I got into, you know, I bought the draft guide last year. Your draft guide is a huge, it's part of, I don't even know, it's not even like a collective book, but it's like part of your website and you get access to a website that has a bunch of different rankings, a lot of different analysis, a lot of different stats. We'll get into some of like how you even 
go through your mental process of when evaluating fantasy players. We'll get into that. But I need to give this ultimately a plug. I've had this I've had this take for Marcus Golden last year, and the and where this take comes from is not one year after your Terry your ACL, but two years after your Terry ACL. Those are like your prime years. And I got that from fantasy football data. I got that from you, Nick. So why I had this whole take on Marcus Golden, why he was going to be so successful in 2019, kind of, you know, maybe ignore those 2018 numbers a little bit where he struggled, is because of that fantasy football data that came from Nick Ercolano. Um, Some of the guys that I invested in fantasy football last year, Dalvin Cook, second year coming off that torn ACL, had a monster, monster year. Chris Godwin, you were all in on the Chris Godwin train last year, Nick. I invested in him. You were all in on Hunter Henry last year. It's a shame that he got hurt a little bit, but I invested in him. It wound up working out later in the season. Um, so a lot of a lot of these guys that I had on my team, Nick told me to draft them, got good value out of them, and I had a pretty damn good team last year. Wound up going like twelve and one. You're the one who hits the draft button. I always I always tell people not to like commend me when I tell them to do the right thing, but they're also not allowed to yell at me when I tell them to do the wrong thing. <laughs> at the end of the day, man, we just have fun here. Like we we talk a bunch of nonsense. Some of the things I'm going to get right, a lot of the things I'm going to get wrong. Uh, for fantasy, my main focus is to like give you the best analysis I possibly can, and then let you kind of figure out, uh, figure you know, make the choices on your own. So, Justin, that was all you, buddy. Don't don't be don't be hyping me up over here. But speaking of making the choices all on your own, this is actually something that I want to hear, you know, maybe, you know, snacks maybe from you. We'll, we'll start with you on this. Uh, and then Nick will kind of give more of like the maybe the analytical approach to snacks. You're not the biggest fan of numbers. No, not the biggest, I don't know anything about them. I don't know how to do math. I don't, I don't do any numbers like that. That's not me. Nope. But one of the things that I would like to hear just as somebody who plays fantasy football, I'm in a couple leagues every year, is what is the mental process of kind of a quote unquote fantasy football analyst or somebody that does fantasy football for like their main content. What is the mental process of how you like go about evaluating players? What are some of the things that you look to first? Uh, the, some of the stats that you look to first is obviously you're not like Bobby Skinner over here. Who's grinding hours and hours on film. There's just too many players in fantasy to be just looking at all this film. So what are you looking at? How do you evaluate players in fantasy football? Well, I think a lot of my stuff, you know, I watch football at times, red zone and, and the Giants. So you know, who's, who's good and who's not. Not ultimately, but situations. That's why I like Matt Ryan last year. He was 13 games in a dome, and his dome stats were 20 times better when he's outdoors. So maybe that's one stat I used my whole life. Burned, bad and, and, it, and it burned me. <laughs> um, but no, like situations with with new teams or new coaching. Um, all those kind of it's it's more of an eye test for me. Max the animal says it too. We 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 don't really get into those kind of numbers. It's it's what we see, what we like, what we know. Um, like a guy like Derrick Henry, I just didn't like last year you know Nick didn't because I I didn't see it we're playing half PPR doesn't catch the ball so it's all these little different things outside of the numbers that that I kind of look look towards uh coaching situational stuff system stuff all that kind of thing um and I've also had like like the same guys that I've liked for like five years so I just kind of it's kind of just it's like a nuanced thing where I, I try and stay consistent with it um but yeah that's and I mean, Nick's one of my best friends and he's really good at this stuff. So obviously when he's giving out the numbers and whatnot, I'm just going to think to my head, okay, well, he did all that work. I don't have to. So <laughs> I will, I will try and listen to some of that. And if it matches me liking the guy as a player in general, then I'm going to be even more high on. So I take the advice of, you know, somebody I really don't like that is a good friend, but then I put it together with my own opinion. So. Yeah, I think, uh, 
the fantasy world is is getting to a point where there's so many people in it and it's expanding so rapidly that we have dudes from all over the place that are are making it like a really cool place like we have a lot of data crunchers we have a lot of guys that were in the nfl that are starting to get into fantasy football and taking it more seriously so we have a lot more valid opinions and a lot more valid data and a lot more scraping when it comes to that stuff that you can reliably uh, count on when you're doing your analysis when i start to look at players uh and when it comes to like film stuff i almost never look at players on film when they're in the nfl already uh as we've been pivoting more towards like dynasty and, and rookie content i watch a lot of film probably from like january february march april preparing up until the nfl draft so i know the incoming rookies but again only like skill player stuff this is obviously all fantasy football so by the time they come into the league I know who they pretty much are as a player. And that's when you start to use the analytics around the NFL and the advanced analytics that you'll find on a bunch of different resources around, uh, around the internet. Right. And I'm looking at like, people like to throw out the combine numbers, but that is such a useful tool for rookies and uh, players that you don't know much about. Right. Because what it does is it tells you how athletic these players are. Like people like to say, oh, this running back has great contact balance. This running back has great awareness. Like, you're just like a 45-year-old guy watching TV. Like, you can't tell me that <laughs> just because you were the one to turn the TV on. What that tells me is like, okay, if you have great contact balance, you know what that means? That your yards per carry number is going to be 4.9 instead of 4.2 because you're falling forwards. At the end of the day, the numbers eventually speak for all those intangibles that someone has. And if they don't, then I, I could care less about people putting clips on Twitter of a guy, right? Like, that, that stuff does not phase me whatsoever. So I start to look at numbers that make a player relevant to the players that they're going to be around more, right? So for these rookies, when a guy runs like a 4-7, I know that's not NFL speed at the running back position. So as much as you liked him in college, as much as he's making guys miss in college, that's not going to work in the NFL. So when it comes to like predictive statistics, I like to use numbers that are relative to NFL players. Uh, some of my favorite resources out there specifically playerprofiler.com is so good for looking at rookies because they do advanced metrics they take everything from the combine and kind of compare it to players in the league now and we're getting to a point where they have people that literally watch like every play of the NFL game and they can tell you the run blocking efficiency for that player they can tell you yards created per touch so we're starting to get to a point where the numbers are being separated for each player in each position, right? So it's not so much like, oh, this guy uh, ran for 4.8 yards per carry. It's, it's kind of irrelevant in that sense, right? Because that doesn't put context behind anything. I think like our job is to put as much context behind things as possible. So we look at a lot of film when we're talking about dynasty and rookie players. And once they get into the NFL, I mean, we, we all watch every game pretty much every yeah. Sunday, right? Maybe not every snap of every game, but you pretty much know what the players are. So when you're going from year to year, when I'm starting a new year and I'm looking at new players, you're not so much looking at the player anymore. Like, you know, their talent level, it's almost solely based on situation. You have to start to recount what, what are the different changes that happened in that offense? Is there a new head coach? Is there a new offensive coordinator? Is there more heads in the wide receiver room? Is the quarterback going into his second or third year in the system? I think those are all different things that you need to be looking at. So it's funny because, you know, as, as like football fans, you want to watch tape and you'd be like, oh, this guy progressed. This guy looks good. This guy looks fast, whatever. But I think it's so much more situational based when it comes to fantasy because you're looking at a one-year sample size. All you're doing is trying to pick out what's he going to do for the next 16 games. So I love player profiler for like metrics and things like that to make it uh, relevant. Also looking at things like snap counts, right? Like we have players who might have had really, really efficient years, but if they're only playing on like 30 or 40% of the snaps, it's not something that you can 
use predictively for the long-term future, if that makes sense. So uh, lineups.com is another free resource that I think is incredible that shows you the snap counts of every position, every player uh, in terms of percentages and just like raw snap counts in, uh, versus like other players on their team and the positions around the league. So when I look at you know, analyzing a player, it's, it's always about the situation that they're in. Um, looking at the volume last year, are they going to see an uptick in volume this year? Free agents, retirees. Um, I feel like I've just rambled on for like 45 minutes. I don't know if there are, <laughs> there are any like follow-up questions or if I've gotten all the way off course. How do you judge Jason Witten? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was about to say. what? <laughs> no, because um, you mentioned about coaches entering into their second and third year. And this is actually something that's very relevant right now, a conversation that Bobby and I just had last episode about, you know, the extended, uh, the extended time that we're going to have of basically OTAs that are now going into training camp. And it's going to be the the 18-day what what startup period, Bobby? Is that is that the correct term? So this 18-day ramp-up ramp up period. There we go. 18-day ramp-up period that the Giants are going to be having. So is this changing the way that you're looking at kind of teams? Now, this even includes teams like Dallas, teams that have first-year coaches because of this ramp-up period and because of the lack of time that they're going to have in pads together. Is that kind of changing the way that you're evaluating some of these players on teams with new coaches because – they're not going to have as much training camp as they normally would have. It's definitely concerning. I would say the biggest impact it's going to have on me when I'm looking at drafting players is rookies. I think this is going to be a terrible year to draft. I mean, most people don't typically draft rookies that high in fantasy drafts anyways, because they tend not to have a huge statistical impact in their first year. Um, and I want to say, yes, like it is, it is something that I'm concerned about. This is just something year over year, like a wide receiver moves teams. I'm concerned about him with Corona or not, right? Like I don't like having to learn a new system and gain chemistry with the quarterback and things like that. The problem with today's world is like, there's, there's almost a change on every single team, whether it's the head coach or the offense coordinator or the quarterback or new wide receivers. So I want to say it's almost an even playing field in a sense um, for like 75% of the NFL. But yeah, maybe if it's a tiebreaker, that's something I would look at. This is just such a tough it, the real, I guess the way I look at it is like the only thing you can pre be prepared for is, is like really that you're not going to be prepared for anything. So I guess you can go in and just draft the guys that you would typically target based on the analysis you did pre-draft, right? I don't, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to lower or, or raise a guy in my rankings just based off a new system or a new coach. So I, I want to kind of transition to like just the Giants now. Um, my big question with fantasy football is because I, you know, I don't want to, you know, have bias for my guys, but they have these three wide receivers in Tate, Slayton, and Shepard, and like two of them, you know, Tate missed some games last year. Shepard missed like six games last year. How do you guys view those guys? Because they're kind of all like one could lead in touchdowns, and one could lead in yards, and one could lead in receptions. They could all lead in separate categories, and with injury issues. Like they're three talented guys, bro. Those guys, like you, just wait till like the last five rounds, or are you is there one that like sticks out to the rest? Yeah, uh, Nick, real quick, because I'm gonna say, and um, I love Darius Slayton. I think he's gonna be very good for for a while, and I love Shepard. He might be my favorite giant on the team just because I love his heart and everything. But I, call me crazy, and I, I told this Golden Tate out of the three for me in one year of fantasy football is going to be the most reliable. He's a veteran. He's probably gonna pick up the system better. He's got. I know, Justin, you can look at me. I'm sorry. I'm telling you right now, look at his games last year. He, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but minimum 10 points a game in, in a half PPR. The guy's a yak machine. I don't know how much I trust Darius Slayton in the second year. I don't know how much I can trust 
Sterling Shepard not to get another concussion. So I'm going to take the sure thing in Golden Tate as he's shown us for years in the past that he can be a sure thing in fantasy. So that's me. I Do I love Darius Slayton and his potential? Absolutely. But, you know, for one fantasy season, that's where I get my concerns, and that's why a guy like me is going to fall back on the sure thing, and that's why I take I would take a look at a Golden Tate in that threesome. Yeah, the, the Giants' offense as a whole has been probably like the – hardest one to decipher in terms of like what we're going to get fantasy wise from their passing game. I get so many questions about Darius Slayton. I think, I mean, one of the main reasons is his numbers were awesome last year for a rookie. He was so overshadowed because the ridiculous rookie class that we had come in, you know, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, Hollywood yeah. Brown, Debo Saint, like the list goes on and on. Right. So he was overshadowed. Plus the fact that he came in as a, he was a fifth round rookie, right? Sixth round, I think actually. Okay, so he was a late – regardless, he's just like a late-round pick. So, yeah. you know, you have, to, you have to prove so much in order for people to get over that stigma in their head of you actually being a good NFL player. So I think that's why he's kind of being left for dead. And the reason I think it's so difficult to project this offense is because it's so difficult to put context behind what happened last year. Because as you said, there were so many players – it was a carousel. They were all injured at different times. And I'm looking back at the numbers, and I put together some numbers – for just the wide receivers. There was five separate games last year where those three guys, Slayton, Shepard, and Golden Tate, played together on 50% of the snaps or more. So there's a five-game sample size of that. Uh, in those five games, we had Golden, I mean, uh, Sterling Shepard lead the trio with 46 targets, 28 receptions. He had a pretty, a pretty big lead in those two categories. But Darius Slayton blew away the yards and the touchdowns. He had like 73 yards per game. And Snacks, I was with you for a while. I was like, Golden Tate seemed like he just kind of joined the team and, and, you know, ran away with statistics. But it, it wasn't in the games where they were all on the field together. And he kind of yeah. fell behind those other, those other two when it came to statistics and the fantasy points and things like that. So Slayton seemed to have shown really well with those. Uh, other two on the field. The problem with that sample size is that Evan Ingram was only on the field for one of those games. And Saquon Barkley missed like one or two of those games along with probably being injured for the other ones. So the way I'm looking at this trio is I'm not necessarily targeting any of them. But at that point in drafts, what I what I tend to do is I'm pretty risk averse in the in the earlier rounds. So like the earlier rounds, you know, four or five, maybe even into six, those are the guys you know are going to score the majority of your points for the entire year, right? So you you want like the the lump sum of your fantasy points to come from safety in those first four rounds. By the time you have to draft any of these three guys, it's pretty much shooting for upside. And I think at this point, like you know, floor floor, what is floor if it's just going to be on your bench? It's never going to hit your starting lineup, right? Like maybe once during the bye week. So I'm. I'm, I've changed my tune on this a little bit, and I will be shooting for Darius Slayton if I'm going to be picking any of these guys just because, I mean, we've seen Sterling Shepard just doesn't have a seasonal ceiling, right? Like a great player in real life, like he's good to have on your team or whatever. But him and Golden Tate, obviously Tate's like way up there in age, so he's got nothing ceiling-wise compared to Slayton. So at this point, it's like I'm going to shoot for ceiling if I'm in the 11th or 12th round, right? And I think Slayton kind of pre- presents the only ceiling that's there. So that's, my, that's, that's kind of my take. I'm not like avoiding them. I'm not really targeting them. But if I'm going to go one guy, it's Slayton just based on him having the ceiling. I think like the intrigue of the unknown is also kind of fun drafting that late in, in the draft. That's probably where he's going later on, like the 11th, 10th, 11th. And obviously that, that makes the most sense because he's a big boom guy. And if he continues the chemistry he had with Daniel Jones, then, I mean, you could get a late round steal. So, um yeah, I, t- I, t- I took Tate just pure safe because that's right. that's what I it's, think he'll be. But it's also like, you know, you get excited about Danny Dimes as a fantasy prospect. But like how, how I see all three of you guys can't see the video right now, but everyone's face kind of chirped up there. Uh, but the, the thing is, it's like 
how prolific is he going to be in the passing game? Like, are we going to project him for 4,000 yards this year? Like, Five. maybe 5,000 <laughs> yards this year. Okay, so Darius Slayton could rival a top five fantasy wide receiver according <laughs> to Snacks as could Golden Tate. But realistically, it's like, you know, you can't really get excited when they're – I mean, they, they have five legitimately really good passing game weapons. And if they're all you know? healthy, if they're all healthy, then where do you go? Because like for, you just Ingram, take the quarterback, you just you, take the quarterback. yeah, you take the quarterback, right? Like yeah, Ingram so, could easily be top five tight end if he's on the field for sixteen games, easily. He could yeah, even right. be top three outside of like know. Kittle and Kelsey. Ingram is just like I don't know if we were gonna jump into him, but I would like to say he's certainly a guy that I will be pretty much avoiding due to the Liz Frank you, you injury. You have to, you have to. Yeah, I mean, like, like we have. People like always throw out the laziest analysis when it comes to injuries or just like if he's healthy, but it's like we have context behind all these injuries. We have like 25 year sample sizes of athletes dealing with torn ACLs and athletes dealing with Liz Frank injuries. And this dude is going to be playing. Well, you know, like the earliest he's going to come back is probably seven and a half months. That puts him like at the end of summer. Listen, I'm not drafting players that are injured because injuries are going to find you throughout the season. And if he's playing the entirety of the season with a screw in his foot, like, that's someone I'm going to pass on. You know, Cam Newton came into the season with this exact same injury. Within two weeks, the guy couldn't run. I don't even think he had a rush attempt into the first couple of weeks. And there you go. He missed the entirety of the season. I mean, we saw Hollywood Brown lacked his explosiveness last year. I mean, he still had a good year, but he wasn't Hollywood Brown because he played with a screw in his foot the entirety of the season. So, I like Evan Ingram. It's like, yeah, I get the upside, but that ceiling's not there if he has to play at 70% health for the entirety of the year. Right, and you're talking to someone who like drafted Jordan Reed three years in a row. Um, so I, I fall if with fantasy football, and I do one league, I do one league a year. I'm just like, man, I I'm pulling the trigger. Uh, to go back to Slayton, I think the the upside about him is Jones seems to like him as like the touchdown guy. Like he's gonna he's gonna be the one that's gonna get big plays consistently. And when it's like, hey, a one on one, I want to give a guy a jump ball. That seems where Jones likes to go. That being said, where do you guys view Jones? Because obviously. He had a good rookie year with, uh, you know, besides the fumbles. Uh, but obviously, like, the Giants want to use Saquon Barkley, so they want to be running the ball a little more, too, if they're successful. Where do you guys view Jones? Nick, go ahead, because my, mine's pretty quick and simple. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like Danny Dimes a lot for fantasy this year. I'm just – we're just in the day and age where if you have – the rushing ability, like you're good to go for fantasy, you know, because that automatically pretty much separates you from – if you're going to argue, like – Daniel Jones or Jimmy G, Daniel Jones or like Drew Locke. It's, it's, it's clear to me it's Daniel Jones there because he has that rushing upside. And I was looking at some numbers, man. Like he put up some big passing games too. He had five separate games of over 300 yards. I think Jameis Winston was the only other player in the NFL or was the only player that had more 300-yard passing games and 20-plus rushing yard games. So he's giving it to you the best of both worlds. The, the problem I guess I have with Danny Dimes is he had like four really, really good fantasy games last year and I'm sure you guys have looked back at the schedule and could tell where those games came from it was like Tampa Bay Washington New York whatever it was really really poor passing defenses so mm-hmm. you know was that a big factor into why he played well last year but at the end of the day it's like you don't need to put up crazy passing statistics if you're going to run for 25 30 yards which he did I think in I think he topped 25 yards in like seven of the 12 games that he was the starter for last year so yeah I mean this offense if they've they're going to have an upgraded offensive line they have a really good group of weapons if like four out of the five of them can stay healthy um most of the time like the middle of the pack quarterbacks in fantasy are are basically all talented in the same sphere as each other they're going to be as good as their offensive line and the weapons around them and and Danny Dimes kind of checks all those boxes you mentioned 25 yards for like running. 
Um, you know, Jones has a running ability, but he's also not a guy who likes to run. So like 20, that 25 yard mark is good enough. Cause I, you know, you know, obviously as an average, but I never like viewed Jones as like one of those guys who's going to get you those rushing yards in fantasy. Yeah. He's very, he's, he's a very good, like sneaky mobile quarterback because you have a lot of guys like Teddy Bridgewater who is going to put up like four rushing yards a game. And the thing with like Danny Dimes is if he takes off from the 15 yard line and scores a touchdown from there, that's equivalent to like 125 passing yards and a score like that single play right there. And that's what, you know, and I think you have to think about the league settings you're into. If it's four point per passing touchdown league, that just boosts up anyone that's putting up any kind of uh, semblance of, of rushing, uh, rushing scores. If you're in a six point per passing touchdown league, then I would start to kind of pull back on the Deshaun Watson's all you're talking about the elite tiers and, you know, Danny Dimes might be a guy who falls a little bit back in the middle of the pack, but I mean, everything's kind of pointing in the right uh, direction when it comes to Jones. All right, so we'll wrap up with talking about the number one pick. Number one pick in every fantasy draft this year. I know a lot of Giants fans, they're going to want to hear number two six, but you know Christian McCaffrey put up a historic season last year. I mean, I, I it was arguably one of the best fantasy seasons anybody has ever put up all time, but there's, there's this expectation of, and I think there's this fear that a lot of people may have, is that obviously he can't replicate that. So how far is the drop-off going to be in a different offense, in a different scheme, and stuff like that? And I think Saquon Barkley might be moving to a more favorable system for him fantasy-wise as opposed to Shermer. So who's the number one pick, and where does Saquon Barkley fall maybe if he isn't that number one pick? Well, you know who couldn't rep, uh, replicate their elite season as a running back it was Todd Gurley in 2017 and then he did it again in 2018 C-Mac like the the number one pick for me is C-Mac uh I I think there's an argument to be made I think you're getting a little bit too cute if you want to go with Barkley over C-Mac you're looking at too much projection rather than what we have in front of us uh but I think like like you said Jason Garrett coming in I mean, he rides, he rides his workhorse no matter who it is. If it's Ezekiel Elliott, DeMarco Murray, uh, I mean, like even like going back to like Felix Jones and, and those kind of guys that he had in there, if they're on the field, he's getting 22 touches a game. I can only imagine what he's going to feed Saquon Barkley with. So I, the volume will certainly be there. I do think there's a slight hesitation for me in terms of the passing upside with Saquon. Awesome. Like probably the most talented dude out of the backfield when it comes to purely catching the ball. I think he's right up there with C-Mac. Problem is, when you have a guy like Danny Dimes who's probably going to run the ball four or five times a game, that will slowly trickle down the targets away from Saquon, right? Whereas like a, a non-running quarterback might check down once or twice per game. That won't happen with Danny Dimes. And that's the difference between getting 100 targets on the year and 85 or 70. And that's the difference between catching a guy like C-Mac. And also, I, I just love Joe Brady coming over from LSU. I think that offense, it is the first year, so it might be a little weird to get acclimated to, but I don't think C-Mac's a guy that needs to learn the system that well. Just get the ball in his hands, he'll be fine. And it's also, also real quick, um, two years ago when Saquon in his rookie year caught, what, 91 balls or something like that? Yet Eli. Eli, Eli Manning checking it down almost every play, and he was just making plays happen. So a lot of those 91 catches were just the product of a terrible offensive line and Eli being pressured in two se- not even two seconds, .2 seconds, and dumping the ball right off. An improved offensive line, and you saw Jones, he wants to push the ball down the field. He wants to throw the ball down the field. That's why he's holding on to it so long. The offensive line is better. So I do think that, in that sense, McCaffrey is the number one pick. But if you are getting cute and you're projecting and you're a Giants fan, why not? Why There's not? Also, we're going to have one year – in Saquon's career where it's going to be ridiculous where he goes off. Yeah. Where he scores a 75 yard touchdown 12 out of the 16 weeks. Right. right? And it could be this year and we could look back and just be like, okay, Saquon just is exactly who we thought he was, you know? Right. But I think, 
I, I don't know if I'm going to give up Christian McCaffrey in hopes of that being this year. It would be uh, nice to have the number two pick. How about that? Yes, in your fantasy draft, the number two pick is brilliant. Well, I, I agree 100% with McCaffrey over there because they do – like, and you guys mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. He's like the check down king to me. Like, I can't stand watching him play checks down so much. That being said, so you guys are saying Saquon too. I know a lot of people are like drifting towards wide receivers first round more so mm-hmm. um, to where when I started playing fantasy football, it was like 10 out of 12 picks, whereas running backs. Is, is Do you think there's any wide receivers worth taking over Saquon, whether it's like a Michael Thomas or somebody? No, it's, it's, it's running Those back. Those got to be one and two. It's hammering the running backs. And I've been looking at, at this more and more this year. Last year, there was, there was 29 different players that went over 1,000 receiving yards on the year. And that was the most ever in a single season. And it's given us this idea that the wide receiver group here is so deep. So the problem is, like, when you pass up on a running back in the first round, you don't get the equivalent to what you pass up wide receiver-wise. Like, you can get, uh, you know, some of these really young boom type wide receivers in the fifth round and pass up on the Devonte Adams in the first round, because you can't get those types of running backs that you're going to pass up like Saquon for in the fifth round. Does that make sense? It's, it's more of like, yeah, the opportunity right, right. it's almost like maybe in a vacuum. Yeah. You like Michael Thomas or Devonte Adams over Joe Mixon or whoever you would take in the first round, but from like an opportunity cost game theory wise, it kind of doesn't make sense to um, take a wide receiver because you're going to dislike your team at the end of the draft because it just seems like there's so many wide receivers to choose from. Well, I will say the last couple of years, to Bobby's point, um, we were seeing more wide receivers taken in the first round and whatnot. We're, we're coming back down to earth. We're running back. Mm-hmm. Running backs rule all in fantasy football. So um, to me, no, there's no wide receiver before those two guys. And I don't even – even if I have the 12th pick, I'm probably taking the best running back on the board mm-hmm. as opposed to a wide receiver. So that's – they rule all and – Wide receivers are dead. Dead. Whoa. They don't matter. Nobody matters. <laughs> wow. I love it. Let's get off this running backs don't matter crap that Justin is <laughs> on. Wide receivers don't matter. All right, fellas. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, Nick, I want you to plug the draft guide. Um, I am a terrible friend. I am a terrible person. I have Agreed. not bought the draft guide yet. Um, so I'm going to be – I think that's – I think I I think I need to make like it, it in an August thing. Because when August comes rolling around, that means football's really getting closer, and then fantasy football's getting closer. So I'll dive in in August. Um, but plug the draft guide, um, and then you you two plug whatever you want to plug as snacks. Absolutely buries his face in some kind of sandwich. What are you eating over there, snacks? Sausage and peps, baby. Love that, mm. Justin. You're not Love a bad it. friend. Don't worry. The majority uh, of business starts rolling in literally the last two weeks of August. Uh, I won't even plug the draft guide, but you guys can come find me on YouTube at Nick Ercolano. It's just literally my name. That's my YouTube channel. Uh, every Friday, me and Snacks and our other friend Animal put out a video, uh, Fade the Public Podcast, which is within my YouTube channel. So you guys can come find me there if you think you've earned a, I've earned a purchase. Once you've came and watched some of my videos, then you could figure that shit out afterwards. But that's I don't all think I they'll be disappointed. I don't think they'll be disappointed. I hope not. Justin, thank you for having me. Bobby, it was nice meeting you. Thank you for having me as well, my man. Nick, Thanks, it was so. nice to see you. I can't say Bobby. his name. Oh, I just up. know you could probably notice me giggle like 45 seconds ago, Snacks. I just realized your little name is I Hate Panic. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you change that like <laughs> mid-call? I did. I don't know, but I think I'm going to change my. You can mind. click the you can <laughs> click the the three dots right by the mute button, and then you see, can rename yourself. See, Nick, you think I don't know about technology? I know everything. I'm just playing you a fool, brother. This is the first thing you've ever done tech technologically that I didn't know how to do in your life. All right, mine's changed. 
Now All right, so we have Bobby <laughs> as we have Bobby as I hate panic. We have Nick as I am NYG. We have snacks as I hate panic, and I have I heart snacks. I am NYG. Wow, I tell you, Justin, you've always been the nicest one. But in all seriousness, Bobby it was great seeing you again. I hope we could talk soon, Justin. I'm sure I'll talk to you later. And um, Nick, let's not talk the rest of the night. Yeah, right. please don't text me. Everyone, go check out Big Dogs Got to Eat, and uh, we'll see you around. Peace. No holds bad. He he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the varsity. All right, thanks again, Snacks, for coming on, and Nick Ercolano, some fun stuff. Justin. B-D-G-E. Big dogs got to eat. Check them out. Big dogs got to eat. They do got to eat. Justin, what do you th- – like, what do you – I know you're more into fantasy football than I am. Like, give me some – like, besides what we were talking about on there, do you have, like, any strong fantasy football takes on the Giants? Well, I will say – I know they were they were kind of fading Sterling Shepard a little bit, and I kind of really like Sterling Shepard if Especially he's healthy. In PPR. I think, yeah, yeah, because and I'll, I'll I don't know if I've ever read this stat before. And of people who up. say I, if he's healthy though, he he didn't like that when people say that. Yeah, well, you got you, you got to be healthy, right? Um, Sterling Shepard played ten games last year. Eight games he received more than seven targets. Six games he received more than nine targets. So, you know, a guy that. Guy that's going to get targets, especially in Garrett's offense, he's going to be like that Cole Beasley kind of guy. I think he's better than Cole Beasley. I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think you would disagree, Bobby. Um, And also the kind of wild thing that Snacks was pointing out, and Snacks usually doesn't say a lot of smart things, is Golden Tate's production fantasy-wise. His uh, second game back against New England, he had like over 20 points and then over 10 uh, over 10 points, 14 points against Arizona, 16 points, uh, this is full PPR, 16 points against Detroit, 13 points against Dallas, um, 95 yards, two touchdowns, four catches against the Jets, so there was a really nice stretch, and then he even ended the season really strong too, fantasy-wise, there was a really good stretch of Golden Tate having awesome fantasy production, when it was good, it was pretty good, when it was bad, it was bad, um, but you know, when you, in it's 16 games, and with the full season of Daniel Jones, maybe Golden Tate's like, Kind of a sneaky good play, um, especially if he's bringing in these big plays, and especially if he can bring in touchdowns again. So, I su- that surprised me about Golden Tate. Yeah. So, are you draft like he said Slayton? Like you're going to go upside with those guys? Who are you? Who are right. you drafting out of those three? Is it Shepard? I know you said. Oh boy. Yeah, I got. I have to look at the ADP in terms of their average draft position and where they go. Slayton's gonna. Somebody is gonna take Slayton early. Because especially if you're drafting a team on the East Coast and a lot of the people that you're hanging out with are Giants and Jets fans, somebody is going to reach for Slayton. But somebody may not reach for Tate and nobody's definitely reaching for Shepard. So especially towards the latter end of the draft, even though I am I am a huge, like on this podcast, I'm like, Golden Tate doesn't get separation. And he, Daniel Jones has to fit the ball into such tight windows when he throws to him. Even though I'm, I'm like that on this podcast, I may be taking Golden Tate this year, and I'll be the biggest hypocrite. You know, biggest hypocrite. he said don't draft Evan Ingram, but if I'm not like the fir- if I'm not getting like the first three tight ends off the board and I realize like, all right, all right I need to get a tight end here, Evan Ingram may Scramble. be my target. Yeah. Um, like I said. Caden Smith too. Caden Smith is like one of those picks that I might may- get him in like the last round. Be like, if, K- yeah. if Evan Ingram. Uh, we're giving away our whole fantasy football strategy. We're doing a fantasy football <laughs> league with nine of our listeners. So, yeah. Um, so that, that's not great. Um, maybe next year we'll do like 20 leagues with our listeners because we'll have so many oh, listeners. Um, all right. That's, that's a show, Justin. We will be back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
Friday, every weekday for the next month, we will have an episode out. Monday, I can safely say that it will be a Sterling Shepard and David Mayo player profile preview. Tuesday is our Camp Battles preview. And then Wednesday, Thursday, PPPs. Friday, regular episode. And then after that, we're going to start uh, moving some interviews into the rotation. So get excited. Um, I know there's a lot going on in the world, but let camp get some excitement out of you. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.